377th, I guess, episode of Cinema PsyOps. I'm your host, Court, the guy coming to you live with a hemp-derived legal high, and joining me all the way across the city of Omaha in this underground studio bunker is my co-host, Matt. Ugh, late night last night. (laughs) For both of us. For both of us. Yeah. You we were, were actually together in person last night. <laughs> the saddest thing about you hiding your face on social media is I can't show the amazing job that your wife did on your makeup last night. I know, right? It's sad. <laughs> but it was good shit as the devil. Yeah, yeah. You look great, and no one will ever get to see it. Like, even if I posted a picture of us standing together, I would still have to cover your face. Yeah, Just... yeah. That's where all the magic is. <laughs> that's your moneymaker? That's 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 why I'm broke. I make money from my sex work. <laughs> and I double-checked. It is, in fact, 377 weeks straight consecutively of the, there's nothing really that straight about this no. show anymore but no. it, we've consecutively continued to do 377 weeks and counting the show definitely ain't straight that's right <laughs> we're definitely crooked <laughs> yeah 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 and corrupt and a bunch of other shit uh yeah yeah we're both cranky and tired and worn out because uh my halloween party for the year was last night and i'll tell you what buddy i don't know how many more years i'm going to be able to do makeup because although i did the gentlest and uh easiest to wear for the longest amount of time makeup in my life on myself, the out of kit kind of makeup that I did last night. Uh, Even though that was like the gentlest and the one I could wear the longest uh, today, after I, you know, gently removed it all, I took a shower last night and scrubbed my skin and stuff. Today, when I woke up, uh, I had some red blotches and some of my skin was like severely irritated where the latex actually started tearing at the skin a little bit more and I'm not rebounding like I used to from wearing makeup all night. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) I'm getting old, man. My skin's starting to go. They're all getting old. Now I I you know I'm I'm not really complaining. It is what it is. I'm a little bit raw. Yeah. But now imagine Robert England having to do Freddy Krueger in his later years. Right? Oh God! L- like just That's in Freddy insane. versus Jason, right? Yeah. He's still doing makeup most of the time to this day. He's still doing some kind of special effects appliances because he just does. That's he he's, he's Robert England. He loves to do that. He's shit. Robert. He's he's the man. I can see why Doug Bradley didn't want to do Pinhead anymore. I can only yeah, imagine right? what oh, what, what what was happening to him. And I know that there's more gentle adhesives than like latex out there now. And and all that kind of stuff. So it looks like I'm going to have to start switching up my stuff and I can no longer use the cheapest, easiest to use stuff that also isn't very different from what they used to glue carpet together. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Maybe I should stop putting the stuff that they kind of, it's, it's very similar to what they used to glue carpet together. Maybe I should stop putting that on my face for makeup. You probably should stop that. I'm just saying it's not a bad idea. <laughs> Might be a safe bet, huh? Might be a safe bet. But goddamn, what's with all the pablum, man? We have Robert Loja to talk about. Robert anyway. fucking Loja. Robert Loja. How dare you try to impersonate me? <laughs> Actually, I would submit to you that we have a pretty star-studded cast because we've got Meg Foster, we've got yeah. Robert Loggia, we've got uh, Theo Rossi, who would be m- probably the most familiar to some folks who maybe had uh, seen Maniac Cop 3 or 2, Yeah, Maniac yeah. Cop 2, uh, where he played the psychopathic slasher serial killer. But also, some other people would probably recognize him from Halloween 2, where he was Bud. Yes, he was Bud. That's right. No lip have a motherfucker. <laughs> wow. You're not supposed to comment on people's appearances anymore like that, man. We've grown past that, remember? No, we haven't. (laughs) So anyway. You haven't, my friend. Well, okay. I haven't. Fine. God damn. You know, now you're judging me, and that's not very nice, (laughs) and we're not supposed to do that either. 
I'm not judging you, my friend. I'm just telling you that I, for one, feel that that is wrong. Oh, yeah, you're judging me. I feel judged. (laughs) It's not my fault you're making incorrect choices in life. You're gaslighting me now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, yeah, you are correct, sir. It's been more than enough pablum, even though we've really only been recording for eight minutes. And you're right. We're delaying it. Let's get into it. Oh, and you know, the star of the film that we didn't even talk about. Judd Nelson. Well, I knew, okay, when I, my memory of this being a lot rougher than what it is, clearly I watched it like, I watched it as like a little kid. I caught it. Yeah. And and like, I remember thinking it was super intense and we'll get into what I think it was. It probably was the case, but now it actually just feels like any other uh, police procedural serial killer type film, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, I kind of like it. Yeah. It's, I like the stories that were in it. Okay. We'll get there when we get there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Relentless is the film that we're talking about this week. It's William Lustig. And I will say this about pretty much every William Lustig film I've seen, it's at least entertained me and kept my attention Mm -hmm. Uh, with the exception of one film that I don't want to talk about right now because it's just I don't want to talk down about a film that this man did while I'm about to talk about Relentless. All right, yeah. (laughs) But anyway, uh, I can't wait to actually get into the film either because like we were talking about, we have a star-studded cast. We even have an appearance from George Buck Flowers for those of you who know who that is. I I don't know who that is. (laughs) You'll know him when we talk about him in the film. But anyway, let's uh, take the break here. We're going to play the intro from Kevin uh, talking about the Patreon giveaway. We're going to have the Legion Patreon ad that Bo has done. And then immediately following for the theme this week for the Pirate Radio edit, it just had to have the word kill in it or talk about killing because I don't know how to categorize this film and they don't really make music about serial killer procedural <laughs> investigation films. Yeah, right. They, they really don't do any of that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm doing my best here, folks. And when we come back, we're going to have the super suckers with the song How to Maximize Your Kill Cow. Hey, everyone. This is Kevin. As many of you probably have heard, Bo will be heading back to school to become a teacher. Congratulations, Bo. As such, I'll be taking over the reins, managing and spreading the good word of Legion Podcasts. To kickstart things off, as an added thank you for patrons, Legion plans to have Steam Code giveaways for current Patreon backers. A random person will be picked from the Patreon, and the winners can choose from the available Steam Codes. Thank you so much for supporting Legion Podcast. You can reach me on Twitter or the Legion Discord group. My username is at LonelyBob. See you around. This'll keep it quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me Cutting a New Show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com, or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for $5, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now... Back to the cutting room.
that is the Super Suckers with How to Maximize Your Kill Count. And Jesus, those lyrics really, really resonate with American culture. And I'm hoping they're doing that as a lampoon and not a celebration. Right? No shit. Jesus Christ. Well, speaking of things that I also hope are not a complete celebration, let's talk about Relentless starring Judd Nelson. (laughs) All right. The first 20 starts with, hey, guys, I'm fucking tired. It's a clip. Was all of it for nothing? See? They didn't accept me. The psychiatrist said no. And that's it. What do I do now? Tell me, please, what now? That'll make more sense as the movie goes on, I promise. Yeah, but what now, Court? What now? (laughs) Well, we cut to an aerial view of the city and the opening credits before watching some dude jogging back to his apartment. He gets his mail and heads in to check on his parrot, I think is what it is. And then they cut from that to Judd Nelson's character tacks up the recommendation failure, like rejection notice, whatever it is that he got. Uh, We're not 100% sure, but he tacks it on his bathroom wall, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then I think it's so he has to look at it in the mirror every time he's in the bathroom. It's probably not the healthiest thing to do, but I mean, whatever motivates you, am I right? Yeah. After he tacks the failure notice onto his bathroom wall, he makes a call on a rotary phone using a phone book, confusing anyone trying to watch this film that is currently under 35 as to what both of those things are. Yeah. I I, I don't know what what, what, what are those? Yeah. And also a picture of his dad. Okay. That's also fair. Uh, But that also leads into our next clip. Jesus. I called to see if you were home. I have to kill you. Tonight. I have to kill you. Tonight. This is very auspicious, Deets. You're removing your uniform for the very last time. Don't break my balls. <laughs> there, did you hear that? Guy makes detective, the first thing he does is turn on his old friends. That's not true. I never liked you guys. <laughs> so, uh, where are you going? Kelly. Oh, you buying? Yeah, why not? Let's buy some. Officer Deets? Officer Deets. Yes, Lieutenant Cardozo. Did you get that locker cleared out? Yes, Lieutenant Cardozo. Put the show on the road. Thank you, Lieutenant Cardozo. Bye, Archie. Adios, Dietz. Good luck. I'm telling you, don't worry about it. It's probably just some wacko. Oh, shit. You know, that's what I'm afraid of. Look, I got a tape. You want this tape? No. It's got his voice on it. Give me the tape. <clears throat> Okay, the investigators will call you in a couple of days. When they do, you tell them what you told me. A couple of days. Hey, we've got a lot of work. We don't have a lot of people. It'll take three or four days for them to get to your report. Meantime, go home, lock your doors, go to sleep. If the guy calls you, call us, all right? Have a good night. Gee, I wonder why I pulled that clip specifically. Jeez, I wonder. Like, it might move the story forward. The jogger returns home after finding out that all cops are bumbling dummies. Yep, yep. To hell with the police. I'm going to stockpile all my guns because <laughs> cops don't help you. That's, I mean, in this movie, it's a fact. <laughs> all cops are bumbling dummies. They were, all except for one. <laughs> I would submit to you that not even one. <laughs> they are. The, re- the jogger returns home and is understandably paranoid after getting absolutely no help from the police. He's scared as he notices a person walking up the same staircase behind him and uh anyone who's ever been in a situation similar to that where you feel threatened in some way shape or form uh you know what this actually is like where you're looking around and you think someone's always behind you or you think that what if that's the person that's coming to get you you basically live in fear that's part of what judd nelson's character is trying to do here like he's still 
you you see him finding his way, and this is his very first kill that he's about to attempt. And I think the film does a good job of actually portraying that. And I think yeah. it does an excellent job of portraying what this jogger's paranoia feels like as well. I wanted to point that out. Anyway, uh, the paranoia then uh, escalates to the point where he has his, it has him checking his apartment for intruders as he makes it to the bedroom. He goes to check the bathroom, actually, and looks at the shower curtain. And he goes to move the shower curtain uh, out of the way. And that's where he is grabbed from behind and then choked out by Judd Nelson's character just laying there on the bathroom floor. Yeah. <clears throat> Judd Nelson's character then grabs a knife from the kitchen and it's just like this small, pathetic paring knife. It doesn't even mean anything. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's not even like 100% guaranteed that this is going to do the job. He just grabs the quickest knife he has in front of him. Yeah, right. It's just like, all right, well, it's almost like a crime of opportunities. Like, I need to kill him with something. Then so... he f- yeah, then he forces the knife into the victim's hand and begins playing a game of why are you stabbing yourself? Stop. Also, number one, this is a really nice decorated place for for this guy. And number two, how did he know? Like, he went to the exact drawer where the knives were. That was just a lucky guess. Because let's face it, real life, you're opening up six different drawers before you find it. I think he may have been casing him ahead of time. Maybe. Maybe, yeah, he had access to the place, so. Yeah, he may have looked around. I just around, call yeah. it movie magic. Right, let's just call it more uh, movie magic. Yeah, uh, but the thing that we got to note here specifically is he plays this why are you stabbing yourself bully game. You got really to does. That. Yeah. Yeah, why are you stabbing yourself? Why are you stabbing yourself? <laughs> After the fatal belly wound stab, Judd Nelson leaves a page from the phone book and it, like on top of the body. And we cut from this to Theo Rossi's new detective being woken up by his wife and getting ready. And that is our third clip. I love you to practice, but not first thing in the morning, huh? Good morning. What are you making? Avocado omelet. How about sausage and peppers, huh? Sausage and peppers. Sure, next time your mom and dad come to visit. Yeah, well, I don't even have the time. You've got plenty of time. Take your vitamins. No, I want to get there early. You know, introduce myself to the guys. Sam, will you do me a favor? Just this once, try and remember that you don't have to set the world on fire your first day. I know. Just be myself. (laughs) No. I said you don't have to set the world on fire. Like, uh, be mellow. Carol, that's so West Coast. Kid, never marry a girl from the West Coast. I don't like girls. Well, don't marry a boy from the West Coast, either. Avocado omelet up. I gotta go. Be good. I love you. Please, my hero. You nervous? Nah. A little. Mm. Thought so. She does that to me all the time, too. Boy, homicide, Hollywood. Take the rookie with you. Rookie? Come on, let's go. I got a name. He calls me Rookie. Is that the jerk off? No, that's another one. How many jerk offs you got around here? Got exactly eight. Hope you don't make nine. This movie has a very interesting opinion of how people interact in an office. Right? Like everyone just staring, jerk offs. <laughs> I mean, this movie is not doing cops any favors or trying to glorify what police are like. I would submit to you that this is actually a pretty accurate portrayal if you've ever actually been to a police station. Probably, yeah. They're all kind of just dicks. (laughs) You missed an opportunity to ask me how many police stations I've been to. Well, how many police stations have you been to? (laughs) Enough to 
to know whether or not this was an accurate portrayal. Um, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Yeah. How many lawyers are telling you not to answer that question? <laughs> Enough to make me listen. <laughs> All right, this clip ends with Judd Nelson doing some uh, target shooting in the desert. Uh, he actually has a pretty decent grouping on his target, and then he very creepily sticks his pinky into one of the bullet holes in the target paper. Yeah, just, and, and then he has a little flashback memory of Daddy Dearest teaching him how to shoot and then smacking him around because he missed everything. Oh, thanks for uh, doing that, because that leads into our next clip. <laughs> Jeez, standing here reminds me. Remember that one where the girl strangled her boyfriend uh, with the soap on a rope? Well, were you on that? No, no, no. That was Bob Connolly. That was on that classy one. When the guy drowned his girl in the toilet. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever break that? No. Uh, hey, take this to the lab. Who, who, who is this, this guy? Oh, Mac, if you retire, that's my new partner. Bulldog, what you doing? Checking things out. Yeah? Why don't you uh, sniff around out there, see what you can find? Okay. What do you think these condos go for? Find anything? That knife he was killed with belongs to the victim. He's got a whole set of them. So? So why would he get killed with his own steak knife? Maybe his girlfriend was a vegetarian. His girlfriend would have to look up his address and underline it. Well, maybe he was a male hooker and he stumbled on a burglar. Burglar? He's got a watch and a ring in plain sight on the dresser, boy. Maybe the killer was blind, but I'll bet you got a better idea. Better than a male hooker with a vegetarian girlfriend who finds a blind burglar in his bathroom, huh? Come You've been a detective for two hours. You got all the right answers. Our boys said all the lights were on the apartment. So the stiff was afraid of the dark? He sure was last night. Now look, the shower curtains pulled back. That's not the way he normally kept it. You're probably wondering how I figured that out. If you keep a plastic shower curtain pulled back, you get mildew in the folds. No mildew. How about that? Now, this other thing is just a guess. But I'm saying, Todd comes into the apartment, he thinks somebody else is here. He gets a knife from the kitchen, turns on all the lights, and he comes in here. He's looking. He pulls the shower curtain back. Hold it. He was behind the curtain. You can practically see through this. You can't hide behind something like that. <laughs> So where did he come from? From out there. Todd pulls it back. He doesn't find anybody. He turns around. The killer comes through the door. They scuffle. Ba bing! Todd goes down just like that. <laughs> what do you think? This is a joke? <laughs> Would you excuse us, please? Let me tell you something about police work. All that stuff you just figured out so brilliantly is bullshit. Now, that's okay, because most of what we do is bullshit. But the bullshit that you just dumped on us is useless bullshit. It doesn't help us. Well, thanks for your advice, old-timer. Hey, knock off the old-timer stuff. I don't want a snot nose for a partner. Then don't tell me I'm not helping. You're not helping us. You want to help us? Tell us who the fuck this guy is. What the fuck is with the phone book? Who the fuck killed him? Now, how the fuck do I know? It's my first day. That's right. It's your first day. We all acted that way on our first day. It's uh, sort of a tradition. Come on, let's get something to eat. Eat? I think that we ought to get something to eat. We wait for the lab report, we wait for the autopsy, we wait for the prints, then we make up the theories. Thanks. I just feel like we ought to be doing something, Malloy. Like interrogating someone. 
Exactly, was your relationship with the deceased? All right, all right. We. Okay, that is the end of the first 20 minutes. Some bang up police work there, Lou. Well, what Theo Rossi's character is actually um, proposing is not that far from, you know, the truth. Like, he notices the shower curtain, so he makes an intuitive, uh, you know, thought of oh, what, yeah. no, what might I'm actually I'm saying he's trying. I was making fun of everyone else who wasn't really doing anything. Yeah, but here's the thing. He's also an asshole about how he does it. Like, he's yeah. he's basically like, he, he, he comes up with the correct theory. He's not actually wrong. He should probably note they, you know, say some things with the crime scene, folks. I mean, this is what detectives are supposed to do on a murder scene. Now, Robert Loge's approach is not all that wrong, but it's just like lackadaisical and he just seems like he's more interested in what every place that they go to is worth more than anything well, yeah. else. He doesn't really, he's not into wanting to really solve the crime or do any work for it, you know. Right. It's just he's a- interested in everyone else doing work. To try to solve the crime. Yeah, but he's also like it's it's not necessarily like he's a bad cop. I think they were just trying to basically poke fun. It feels like this is a well, it's an East Coaster making a film that takes place in California and like taking yeah. pot shots at California hard the entire time. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Fuck California. <laughs> All right, I'm just saying that's that's basically what's kind of happening here, and that's. I mean, I'm kind of just like fuck every place, but yeah. <laughs> Fuck what humanity has done to this earth. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of, you know, fuck everywhere, I guess. You know, I'm not it's not like I'm like super into anything. So, yeah. but it's a good setup so far and it's it's intriguing and it gets you interested in it. Uh it feels very much of the time frame that it was made in, but not necessarily in a bad way because if you know the year that it's made, you know, like that it's an 80s film, you're you're going to be perfectly satisfied with it because you should know what to expect from 80s films before you watch them, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right on that. <laughs> It's also a little bit ahead of its time. I mean, this feels very much like what CSI would later start doing, you know, only showing you the crimes as they happen instead of them reconstructing them later and figuring it out. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, what the NCIS is and all those kind of shows they're doing now. Yeah, it feels very much like that kind of police procedural, but it also shows you the crimes as they are happening with the serial killer. Um, so later on in like the late 90s and early 20s, when they actually started doing these like super exploitative serial killers killer biopics yeah yeah you know like in the like those that those decades um they basically took this same formula and just made it even more exploitative than what this film was doing yeah and then so it's also like uh Oh, uh, what would they call it? What would they call it now? Like uh, the, the the police appreciation like shows is pretty much what they all are. Yeah, some of them end up like that as well. So yeah. I mean, it, it, but it's interesting the time frame that this came out in. How it feels very much a piece with all of this stuff that we're talking about. And I just kind of wonder if it was so like wh- how you would have received it as as you would have seen it in those in like in the eighties, right? Yeah. Now I caught this on the TV as a kid and i didn't see i saw this first kill i did see this first kill like like it like right as it happened like where the guy gets grabbed into the shower right and yeah. i think when i was i think it was like nine ten when i saw this before so it must have gone like straight to tv you know what i'm saying like and there's mm-hmm. there's not so much in this that you couldn't cut it down a little bit to put it on tv as well yeah you know what i mean like it could almost get away with like like regular broadcast tv which is what i saw it on so it didn't yeah, probably you- 
you you really could do that. Yeah. Yeah, this could have been uh, like a TV movie. Yeah, because, I mean, while the kills are brutal and everything, it's nothing that's so bloody or an excessive gore. It's all about the tension, and they, do, they actually do that rather well. But um, when I was a kid and I saw him doing that, like, I've been bullied before with the stop hitting yourself, and it was like the stop hitting yourself murderer to me, and it was terrifying. Yeah, right? It was. It was like, Jesus Christ, why are you making me stab myself? It's the worst. <laughs> right. It's a pretty awful notion. It feels a little silly watching it now as an adult. It does. It feels a little silly that he has to force everybody to participate in their own kill, you know? And, like, it feels like, I don't think he could really do that. Like, I mean, I know he could be super strong from obsessively working out from being abused as a child, clearly. Um, But, like, (laughs) I just don't. I don't know, like, I just, the stop killing yourself motif, it feels a little off now, you know? Yeah, 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 no, it's, it feels feels weird. I'm going to just freely admit that the plausibility of that is not, you know, as an adult, is is less terrifying to me. But it's still a pretty fucking rotten thing to do to somebody if you could force them to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I could see, like, you know, knocking him out, super gluing the knife into his hand so he couldn't drop the knife, and then forcing him with both your hands to push the knife down. Yeah, right. <laughs> and in a lot of cases, he interlocks their hand with his hand and then overpowers them. So that's a little bit more believable. But the very first kill with the knife stab, like, it didn't feel very realistic at all. No, no, that felt like just kind of, I don't know, it's just like, and he's whispering to him. It almost seemed like no struggle. You're like, uh, I don't know about this. I know he got knocked out, but you would think there'd still be a struggle around here. Yeah, I kind of, I think maybe if they would have hired someone that like, like Judd Nelson is menacing, but he doesn't sell to me like this all powerful, like super rage, you know, roid rage being that could do that. Right. He doesn't seem to have the size for it. He, he, he can act the part of this, what, what this killer is. So, yeah, I'm going to have to push an I believe button that maybe he, um, because of the trauma that he had in his life, maybe like he has access to adrenaline or, or like he has a way to turn on those chemicals that give you like, you know, the fight or flight reflex, like at the best, you know, like that super hyper thing, because there are some folks with uh, mental illnesses that actually have that capability where they put themselves into that fight or flight mode. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it is a possibility that he's using that to kill too. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. We should probably move on to the next 20 minutes. Yeah, Jesus Christ, we, we've been going. Yeah, well, it's it. This is actually pretty interesting stuff so far to talk about. Yeah, so. yeah. All right, so the next twenty starts with Judd Nelson waking up and checking the phone book for the for his next victim. I'm calling him the actor's name because we still don't know this guy's name yet. No, we don't. The pattern is being established for his spree killings right now as he's checking the phone book. We already know what's going to start happening and how this is going to go. Uh, his would be victim that we are shown appears to be cat, a cat loving composer of above average wealth. It's a pretty amazing yes. house that she's playing piano in. Yeah, it's 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 a nice place. And she doesn't even like get upset about the cat jumping in this extremely expensive piano, so therefore she has to be a cat lover. Yeah, she's a cat lover and she's probably got money. So she's like, "Ah, he won't ruin it." And if he does, I'll buy a new one. The only reason I was like, oh my goodness, get out of there is because if the cat gets to the higher levels of strings, he could probably cut that feet. Right. <laughs> I was worried about doing, that. cat? Yeah. But right after she kind of like shoes the cat off of the piano gently, uh, she hears a noise of someone, what sounds like someone walking on her roof, right? Yeah. And immediately calls the cops, as you should do. And then Judd Nelson's character jumps the minute she makes the phone call through a skylight in her roof, like just breaks through it. And that was actually pretty menacing. Lands on his feet and just immediately starts walking walking at her like it was like nothing to him like he 
basically bends his knees enough to break his fall and then is immediately right back up and taking steps at her. It's actually pretty he's, terrifying. He's like, check me out. <laughs> he's like, uh, uh, he's nimble like a cat, just like her cat. He thinks she would like him because, well, you know, cat people. Right as she does, right as he does that, where he jumps through the skylight, she immediately takes off as you would. And she drops the phone and you can actually hear the, tr- the cop in the background trying to ask her what happened or what's going on or something like that. You can hear the cop talking. Uh, Nelson grabs the phone, listens to the cop for a moment and then hangs it up. And then he breaks out like the thickest of all of the piano wire out of the piano with his bare hands. So apparently he is unbelievably strong if he could do that because that was a thick fucking wire. Yeah, he's got some strength behind him, that's for sure. The victim runs into what I think is her basement, or at least a mostly underground room. Like, maybe it's built into a bank or something like that in like in her house, which is a weird place to go to lock yourself away. Maybe it's her garage, but like there's just yeah. these tiny windows. I don't know why she did that, but she did. It's some kind of a storage room area or a garage. Uh, she breaks a window trying to get outside as Judd tracks her to that room slowly and methodically. He searches for her in the room, and we see her hiding in what I assume is the dryer because she's looking out from the dryer and we're seeing this from her perspective. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it seems she tricked Judd Nelson's character for a moment, but then turns out, nope, he finds her like immediately. They do it as a jump scare where he comes back into frame. He starts strangling her with the piano wire and then forces her to hold on and grab onto the wire herself so he can then play the stop strangling yourself. Stop strangling yourself. Stop strangling yourself. <laughs> this death is pretty brutal and I'm pretty sure is the one that actually traumatized me as a kid because even as an adult, when he wraps his hands around hers and like makes her start strangling herself, essentially. Yeah. The shock, the terror, and the pain on her face that the actress pulls out, it's really a brutal death. And it really belongs to this actress really selling it. It does. Yeah, she uh she she really she does that. The hiding in the uh washing machine. Uh, uh yeah, I, I can see how they can creep out a kid. Again, even as an adult, I find it extremely brutal. Yeah, it's probably not the the the, the most comfortable thing to watch. <laughs> I'm actually kind of tired of writing notes all Ready, and that's our fifth clip. So we went to the bathroom, and the body's lying on the floor with a note right on the chest. Do we have to discuss this at dinner? Sorry, dinner's great. How's the roast? What are you kidding me? Red meat instead of tofu? I think I died and went to heaven. <laughs> well, it's a special occasion. It's your first dinner as a dick. What's a dick? That's another word for detective. How was your day? Thank you for asking. It was very good. I picked up a new client. No kidding. Mm-hmm. A little restaurant on Union called the Ratskeller. They need a dozen ferns and a couple of trees. It's going to be cute. Ferns? Ferns. It's great. All right. Sam, what happened then? All right, so I'm trying to piece this thing together, right? Get some clues. This clown, all he wants to do is stand around and wait for the report to come in. Now, that sounds reasonable. That's not how we did it in New York. Well, honey, maybe that's how they do it in L.A. Are you checking the basement on that broken window thing? Son of a bitch. What time? Dispatch got the call at 6.48. They traced it here at 6.52. First wheels got here about 7.22. Come on. Did you get a load of this place? Bet it's worth two and a half million if it's worth a nickel. Malloy, come on. What do we got here? What do we got here? We got ourselves a stiff. Angela Taylor, Caucasian, age 39, occupation songwriter. You know, I actually caught her on the costume show once plugging her stuff. She was a great-looking broad. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the guy comes in through the skylight... Chases her downstairs, he strangles her with piano wire, and he sticks her in the dryer. No, he didn't stick her in the dryer. No, he found her in the dryer. What? No mildew again? No. She kicked the shit out of the insides. Malloy, uh, could you refresh my memory again? Now tell me, what exactly are we waiting for? What you always wait for in a goddamn homicide. An eyewitness, a confession, or the accumulation of a shitload of evidence. 
How about a sign from God? What are you getting wise with me? Look, could I talk to you for a second? Over here. Well. Hey, let's go over here away from all this. Uh, what's up? I want to get the hell out of here. Uh, Malloy, let, let me tell you something. <clears throat> See, when I was on the force in New York, we caught the son of Sam. You know how we caught him? 500 guys busting their tail in 500 different directions around the clock. We even had one poor schlub who had to check out all the parking violations written near the murders on the slim outside chance that the motherfucker was parked illegally while was blowing people away and he got a ticket. See, but then we had another bunch of poor schlubs, myself included, who had to follow up every fucking one of those fucking tickets. And believe me, Malloy, we thought that was one jack shit waste of time. Until two of our guys from Yonkers found him. And they busted that son of a bitch. So don't give me this stand around and wait bullshit, because I don't buy it. Hey, I know where you're coming from. You think we're dragging our asses and you want to do something constructive. You're right. Shit, okay. <laughs> Captain Blakely, you haven't met him yet. He's going to want to report first thing in the morning. What do you say you take that on? Yeah, it's better than nothing. Okay, great. Just make sure it's good because Captain Blakely's... Jesus, he's got high standards. Just like you. All right, so after this, we see Judd on a rooftop jumping rope to stay in killing shape, I'm assuming. And then yeah. he hops up on the ledge of the building and begins this to... This got me. He starts run balancing laps. Like, he's, he's yeah. trying to do his... He runs laps around this, like, small little, like, single block, not really flat, kind of rounded part that's the top of the roof of his building. And he's doing a balancing act on it while he runs. So clearly, this guy does some insane fitness. Yeah, and it scared the living shit out of me. We then see a flashback to more childhood abuse as his father forced him to run obstacle courses that were built in the middle of nowhere for some reason. Well, he shot a gun at him. Well, he's firing ammo at him. Live fucking ammo, yes. Live ammo at your kid. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Any questions as to why this kid has turned out as psychopath? Anyone? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think we're, we're well aware now of what's going on with this guy. <laughs> they cut from this to Theo Rossi hunt and pecking typing. That was really irritating me. I was like, oh, come I, on, dude. You know, I, I am also kind of a hunt and pecker, but not to that level at all. <laughs> that is really bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after a little while of having to write up reports, he can't have to do that forever. He needs to be able to start using some of his fingers. Eventually, everybody learns yeah. how to type. Even if you're not doing it 100% correctly, you have a way where you use more than one finger. Yes, I, exactly. That's kind of like me. I, I don't do it correctly, but I have a way of doing it. That's not just me with two fingers doing that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So that's still not hunt and peck typing. The single yeah, finger... Yeah, I guess I'm not, I'm not hunt and peck. I never really learned the proper way of typing uh but my way of typing still gets me you know to where i need to be faster than what this guy's doing <laughs> his wife checks in on him and tries to get him to stop being such an obsessive asshole that also leads into our next clip jesus yeah one great big knot back here what's the matter this thing tonight this taylor woman she tries to hide right mm -hmm. two feet from her is a toolbox with hammers chisels screwdrivers she gotta beat the guy to a bloody pulp Instead, she crawls inside of a dryer. Sammy, not everybody's a fighter. I know that, Carol, but if you act like a victim, you're going to be a victim. What's really bothering you? I really want to do my job, and this guy's not letting me. Sam, maybe you want to do it so bad you're going about it the wrong way. But he's making me crazy. I can't seem to convince him to let me do what I can do. You didn't tell him the son of Sam's story, did you? Yes. You know what you need? What? Hmm? Oh, come on, Carol. It's late. Come on. Mm -hmm. Every time that you feel frustrated by Malloy, 
I want you to say something nasty to the plant. Insult it. Threaten its but little what? life. You're going to go Pretty see. soon it's going to get droopy and its little leaves are going to get brown. Hmm? You're going to feel like you really accomplished something, honey. I know you will. Get it up. Come on. Get it up. No, 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 no. Come on. Now you try it. Give it your best shot, Sam. Go ahead. Go on. You eat shit. Sam, that's not an insult to a plant. <laughs> I hope you get root rot, you little fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's very, very good. I think I almost saw it starting to cringe there. You know, I think I can finish this report in the morning. You know what? Very good idea. This report is excellent. You typed this, Malloy? No, sir. Uh, Detective Dietz typed it. Mm-hmm. This is good. This is real good. Nice margins. Did you see this morning's Times? Police hunt sunset killer. You didn't give them that, did you? No, 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 sir. All we told them was that there was no definite link between the killings and the fact that they took place near Sunset Boulevard at sunset. Coincidence. Well, what about the phone book thing? Well, uh, we didn't tell them that. Uh, we were afraid of a copycat. This lunatic is trying to show the world that he can pick anybody at random from a phone book and kill him and make us look like idiots. And I just assumed the world didn't get that message. So let's keep a lid on it, OK? Excuse me, Captain. But a little publicity might be just what we need here. I mean, those people are dead because they did exactly the wrong thing. Maybe we should tell people, if they think someone's in their home, get out. Don't go looking. Don't make phone calls. Don't hide. Get out. Then call us. And we could save some lives that way. And maybe you'd like to work the switchboard, where we get 100,000 calls a night to help little old ladies into their apartments. I think you're exaggerating a little bit, Captain. Look, Deets! If you argue with me, you're going to find yourself working the airport. Now, until I say otherwise, we keep a lid on it. Understand? Get out! You know what to do. No, Captain. I don't know what to do. Try catching the son of a bitch! Fucking moron. He's the jerk-off. You're the fucking moron. Where you going? I'm going to take the jerk-off's advice. He can't help it. He's from New York. What's that? That's jaywalking. The other one, the Taylor woman, she's clean. Has either one of them ever been under investigation for anything? Nope. In both instances, it appears that the victims were forced to participate in their own deaths. The wide knife entry wound on Mr. Arthur's body indicates a definite struggle. No, but as you can see, there are minute traces of latex we found on the piano wire. So we figure he was wearing rubber gloves. That's probably why there weren't any prints. Francine, is there like a police psychiatrist or somebody like that? You've only been on the job two days. It's not for me. I know. You want it for a friend. Yeah. I love you. Don't ever change. Dr. Park, uh, this is Detective Dietz, LAPD. Well, I'd say that this guy is seriously fucked up. At last, somebody who speaks my language. So what else? Well, two notes on a hell of a lot to go on, really. These would indicate he's a taunter. Extremely self-confident. Very successful at whatever he attempts. And he doesn't mind telling you just how successful he is. You think we're going to hear from him? I mean, without finding a body attached to one of those? Probable if killing simply for the sake of killing begins to bore him. Then, then you're saying that there's going to be more? Unfortunately, yeah. You might want to consider the victims. A movie extra and a songwriter. They're industry-related. 
I'm sorry. I'm getting into your territory now. Believe me, I could use the help. It's a tough one, Dietz. Maybe he's just crazy. I could have said that, but I get paid for it. <laughs> no, no, Carol, you go ahead and eat. I don't know how late I'll be. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to. All right, all right, I love you too. And that is the end of the second 20 minutes. All right, well, we, we got some problems. Um, they're, okay, so none of the cops want to do anything. They're, they're more concerned with the department looking bad than catching a killer. So, yeah, it's pretty much like every other cop. Yeah. I think what Matt really wants to say is all cops are bumbling dummies. They really are. I'm going to stockpile all my guns because cops don't help you. To hell with the police. (laughs) To hell with the police. I mean, kind of. Why do I feel like this is more of what actually does happen in police departments? Like, all right, we got this killer. Uh, Instead of warning the public or giving them options of how they can help themselves, let's... uh, Let's just keep it all quiet because we don't want to seem embarrassed. (laughs) Jeez, you're the one being quiet today on this. (laughs) Hey, it's cool, man. I don't need to voice my opinion if you're getting there before me. It's good. (laughs) I'm silently agreeing with you and our audience knows that. And I'm also just letting you go because it's, you know, it's a thing of beauty to hear you go off about how you hate cops now. Especially since you would have been a thin blue line guy when I first met you. I wasn't quite there, but I was like, oh, man, you know, sometimes you, you, know, were, you were naive enough to think the police actually do help. Yeah. Yeah. I, or at least some do. You know, I was like, there are a lot of bad cops, but I thought, oh, there's a few good cops. And then you have to come to that stark realization that they're, you know, how can there be good cops if the good cops cover up for bad cops? It means they're bad cops, too. <laughs> Anything about the actual story you'd like to talk about? Because I would like to mention uh, the procedural stuff that the Orasi is doing in this clip that we just listened to. Um, That is specifically something uh, that I'd like to talk about. The only time that he actually isn't an asshole is when he is proactively looking for information and people have information that will help him. So, like, I feel like the film is trying to play him off as like this real prick, like upstart, you know, to everybody else that's on the force. But then we get to see him doing things that like they now show you in the cop porn like CSI and stuff like that where investigators really do follow up with this stuff really do try and find a way and really do like look for resources to do what they need to do for investigating murders and stuff yeah and if I'm perfectly honest like this is what I would want from someone trying to catch a murderer you know like yeah as as much as I would not like to go down for murder I also understand the need to get murderers off the streets (laughs) <laughs> okay, how many lawyers told you you had to say it like that? <laughs> In this case, it was zero. They're all looking at me like, what the fuck was the start of that sentence? That's not good. Yeah. What do you do? Are the lawyers in your studio with you? That's weird. Uh, how do you think they keep advising me? Uh, that's true. Is that why I'm always here? <laughs> kind of. I don't have the room anymore. Don't have the room anymore. Now I have to be in the bunker. <laughs> we should move on before we make any more bad lawyer jokes. Yeah, right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. The next 20 starts with a guy letching on his employee at his home and plying her for sex with cocaine. Gross. Ooh, Jesus. He heads downstairs and we see Judd Nelson is already in the house. He sneaks up on the lech and either stabs him in the back or gives him a kidney punch. I couldn't tell which it was. I think he just kidney punches him because he wants to make them participate in their ultimate demise. But I don't think he's like, I, I think he would stab him. And then what he's going to do next, he makes him participate 
is the thing, I guess. Yeah, I think you're right. So maybe he did stab him. I don't know. It was just too quick. I couldn't tell. And then he grabs the uh, air pressure cork remover thing the guy was using earlier and forces him to stab himself with that. And I don't know how to phrase that as a stop wine cork pressure remover killing yourself thing. I don't know how to do that, but he forces him to do it. But he doesn't put his hand on it to pump. He does the pump himself. You think he would want to make the guy pump it himself, right? Like that's the ultimate thing that's going to kill him, right? But apparently not this time. Well, anyway, that's it's a missed opportunity, whatever. No big deal. It's still kind of a brutal death. And again, something that would probably traumatize a nine-year-old kid watching it during daytime TV. (laughs) While this is happening, the woman upstairs pops her top so i guess that's a thank you movie but someone just got murdered so some of us may have a problem with that yeah it's still probably a thank you movie (laughs) she willingly pops her top so you're okay with it like morally speaking you're fine with a guy being murdered downstairs yeah i mean who cares about that guy After the man is dead, Nelson looks like he was going to just leave, but he decides to go kill the woman as he forces her hands onto her throat and then strangles her uh, to death as well. This would definitely have been edited for TV. I don't know if I would have seen the strangulation thing or not, so I'm not 100% sure. I may have thought he actually just left her behind as a kid. Not sure. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) But it's the stop strangling yourself to death is what he pulls for her death. This is what we in the business refer to as a twofer, by the way. Yeah, well, and she almost got out of there without getting murdered, but she kept calling out. So then he went up there and did it. In true slasher fashion, her horniness is being the cause of her ultimate demise. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) That leads to our next clip. Hey, Malloy. Hey, how are you? Okay, can you give me something for the eleven o'clock snoop around? I'll let you know. Carmen, you look beautiful. Hi, cutie. What is a condo like this going for? A hundred thousand? Hey, early bird. Who's the mystery victim? Read this. No clues, no nothing. What is it? The asshole left it. Are you kidding? Where are police when you really need them? Oh, funny. Funny. I heard there was a girl. Yeah, and a friend killed her, too. Look, Malloy, I-, I hope you don't think that this is like useless bullshit, but doesn't something strike you as a little strange? Hold on a second. Arthur Taylor. Yeah. Todd Arthur. Angela Taylor, for Christ's sake, it's as plain as the nose in your face. What is? Arthur Taylor, the first of all warnings. This is the guy they're really after. Come on. Let's Boy. go talk to the news people. Anybody talks to you, just say, uh, no habla inglés, okay? Yeah, sure. Good kid. Just hold off on the name thing for 48 hours, and I promise I'll give you everything we've got. What time did the attack take place? What time? 7.15. Bill, I mean, who are you kidding? You won't go on record that this was yet another Sunset murder? You're common. You're calling it that. We're not. Does this look like Sunset Boulevard? What are you trying to do, start a panic? Do you have a description of the guy? Yes. What are you so grumpy about? I think you're wrong, man. And you don't want to listen. This guy is a psychopath. Hey, I'm not arguing with you. He's a psychopath. No, no, no. I don't think he's going to stop. He'll stop when we nail him. You just don't give a shit. Who the hell is raining on your parade? You are, man. You are. Sam? You think I handled that well? I love you. What do you want me to say? No? I really felt like punching the guy's lights out because he just won't listen to me. Have you tried being reasonable? I mean, just sitting him down and discussing it calmly with him? Sure, you know me. Yes, I do know you, and that's why I'm asking. We've been through this same thing before, remember? No, that was different. Cardozo was a jerk-off. You said that this new guy's a jerk-off. That's a different jerk-off. 
Well, until you learn how to deal with these jerk-offs, you're never going to get what you want, Sam. But, Carol... Hi, sweetie. Hey, you little snoop. Hi, Dad. What are you doing out of bed? I couldn't sleep. And I want to hear you tell what you did today. All right, story time's over. Why don't you go back to bed? No. Corey, darling... I'll handle this. You're looking for a knuckle sandwich. You don't move it. Good job, boss. Sweetheart, I know that you love to hear your daddy's stories, but it's not polite to listen to people talk when they don't know that you're there, is it? But we forgive you. If you run off, get right back into bed and have real sweet dreams, okay? Night-night, honey. Night. Reasonable. I could have done that. Do it with Malloy. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. I'll buy him some Roger Rabbit jammies. <sighs> Dad, what's a jerk-off? Ask your mother. Mom, what's a jerk-off? Bed. Okay, as someone who is both bald and been excessively noogied in his life, I wonder if that's true and if I'm, like, capable of getting compensation. No, because <laughs> I've already looked into it because I am also bald and been noogied. Excessively. Excessively. <laughs> all my life. <laughs> After this, they cut to Nelson in his Flophouse hotel room where he hops up to reveal his closet is stocked up to be Rambo 3 and shit. Jesus Christ, he fucking has everything. He puts a silencer on a 45 and shoots out a street light that was making too much noise and buzzing, and I didn't quite notice it until after he shot it and it was quiet. FYI, everyone has heard me rant about it before. I won't go into the details, but silencers don't work like that, but whatever. They do not. That is one of the biggest movie things in the world. <laughs> Their silencers are like that at all. <laughs> the next morning, Leo Rossi is awakened by his partner's call, and it turns out the killer has struck again already. Rossi offers to pick up his partner following his wife's advice. They discuss how they made the papers as Loja reads this. We see that Nelson's character is reading the same paper and looks something up in the phone book, apparently. Anyone under 35 will have no idea what that is. And one would assume, since we are <laughs> almost at the hour mark, that it is going to be Rossi's address next, maybe? Or something having to do with the paper because he was reading the paper. We're guessing it's one of the two detectives he's targeting next. But yeah. my money was on Rossi because he had a family at this point. Yeah, same here. It looks like Taylor is the main name the killer picks. They actually discover that now, finally. And this is where Robert Loge's character starts coming coming to life where he's giving a shit again yeah yes now he's like oh my god you're making me give a shit god damn it i don't want to care right it's like arthur taylor or something taylor or like todd taylor arthur taylor something along those lines it's basically because we look at whatever this person is looking at the picture um who was apparently his father from the flashbacks he was named ike taylor and he was apparently a pop as you could tell in the photo from yes what you were seeing so they finally put it together that it has something to do with taylor and it's actually loge's character that does it yes figures it out and it's like jesus well, well done. <laughs> they finally get something that actually will help them find the killer. The pair is finally getting along and working proactively to find a connection for the killer and the name of Taylor or uh, Arthur Taylor or whatever. We see them knocking on a door, and that's George fucking Buck Flowers that's showing up, and that is our next clip. Nice. Arthur Taylor? Hail. We'd like to ask you a few questions. You mind if we come in? Hail. Do I have any what? Any enemies, Mr. Taylor? Do you have any enemies? Well, hell yes, I got enemies. I got hundreds of them. Probably even thousands. I wouldn't even know where to begin. You want some brooms? 
No, thanks. Never touch them. Well, man, your age, they're very good for you. Uh, Mr. Taylor, we don't want to upset you, but maybe there's somebody you could stay with for a while. Are there people you could stay with? Well, you mean broad? How about family? I bet they'd love to have you. You know something? You're an asshole. And you're full of shit. You're a bastard. <laughs> well, what the hell? I guess now that we know each other, I may as well throw up my hand. I'll go. Atta boy. Yeah, I'm telling you, real estate in L.A. went up 30% last year. That house is worth 200000 minimum. Yeah, well, for that kind of money back east, you get a lot more than a little house with no backyard. Back east, my ass. You like it so much there? Why don't you buy this crummy place? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Living in a tenement like this should make you feel right back in the Big Apple. Please. Arthur Taylor? Arthur Taylor? Arthur Taylor? Uh, look, we're police officers. Can we talk to you for a minute? Sorry to wake you up. Uh, there's a possibility you may be in some danger. Do you have any enemies? Uh, do you know of anybody maybe want to harm you? What? Do you have any enemies? Am I in danger? Well, someone's been killing people with the same name as you. Maybe you saw somebody following you or hanging around. No, sir. Well, just the same. Is, is there some place you can stay, somebody can stay with for a while just till we catch him? Why can't you catch him? Well, believe me, we're trying. But when you catch him, uh, what are you going to do? Well, it's for the course to decide. You're going to kill him, are you? Ike Taylor. Jesus Christ, Ike. <laughs> Little buck. You're not buck, are you? God damn. Ike Taylor. Hell of a cop. Inspirational. That's right. Real inspiration. Jesus. What a guy. How <laughs> come you're not on the job? It wouldn't take me. It wouldn't take you. Ike Taylor's kid. They're lost. Buck. It's Buck, right? Boy, this is some cannon you got. You keep it real nice and clean. You got a license for it? <laughs> yeah, sure you do. So you say you got no people you could stay with for a few days. All right, look, I'm a police officer and I can't advise you to use this weapon. But if you're staying here, let me put it this way. I keep mine right in that drawer right next to my bed. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to freak you out. He's just very dangerous. Dangerous? He's a fucking maniac. Look, um, if you need us, you can call us at this number. Yes, for me, Detective Dietz or Detective Malloy. Dietz and your Malloy. Bill Malloy, kid, come here. You need anything you call him, right? Yes, sir. Back, he grew up. <laughs> Keep your door closed from now on, okay? Yes, sir. I hope he's going to be all right in there. Believe me, any son of Ike Taylor can take care of himself. He was the meanest, toughest son of a bitch I ever met. So whatever happened to him? The liberals said that uh, we had to start burping with the criminals that we nailed. They said that Ike was too dangerous for the streets. <laughs> so Ike said, fuck it. Don't look at me like that. It's not my fault the cops are stupid. What do you want from me? Yes? You and Lieutenant Cardoso are not getting along. Since that I worked with for three years, during which time he tried every way possible to get me thrown off the force. Yeah? Do you have a good reason? Yeah. He's a rat bastard. Oh, shit. Those are a pretty goddamn good cop. Sure, all your old farts stick together. Hey, wise guy. Tired of all this bullshit about an old man. You find a younger fucking partner. Bill, I'm sorry. Look, give me a break. I don't want to be jerk off on the night. Come on. How's it going? How's it look, Gramps? Huh? What'd you whoa, say? Whoa, whoa, you're a little testy there, aren't you, man? I'd like to meet the brain donor who came up with this bullshit idea. You're looking at it. You don't like it? Kiss my ass. <laughs> All right, come on, hey, Come on, man. Whoa, girls, easy. Easy. Come on. What my partner meant to say was, you're doing a fine job, and we know it's thankless and boring, but we're depending on you. 
So please, stay with her, okay? Okay? Yeah, okay. What's your name? Terrell. It's nice to meet you, Terrell. Hang in there. Yeah. When this case is over, I'm first thing gonna rip his lungs out. Fuck him and the horse you rode in on. What are you laughing at? Shit, Malloy. Underneath it all, you're just as big an asshole as I am. Yeah, but I hide it better than you. You're a bad influence on me. How's that? You're making me give a damn. You know, there's about 12 million people in L.A., and a million of them are bona fide committable. And of that million, 200,000 are probably dangerous. And of that 200,000, one of them decides it's open season on people. One of them, Sam, against you and me. We're going to find them. Okay, it is important to note right off the bat that the movie tries to make it a mystery as to who his father was. And I think they try to make it seem like he was like this military guy or something like that, uh, possibly. But other than just being a child abuser who fired live rounds at his own kid, making him run an obstacle course. Other than that, they don't really say what he is, but it's kind of obvious from his photo. And then the fact that the guy is taunting the police like he is, that the guy was a cop. It's kind of obvious in the film tries to make this a big reveal, but I don't know if it really is. It's like a twist reveal that you kind of saw coming, right? Yeah, kind of. But I think the real twist is, in fact, that the kid's name is actually Arthur Taylor, and he's killing everybody that has his name because he can't yeah. kill himself is the idea. Like, his father yeah, has made he, him hate he, himself he so much that he wants to die, but he can't do it himself. He also well, asks everyone when he's killing them, like, what it's like. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's obsessed with the idea or something like that, which mm-hmm. it feels like a bit of a stretch. Like, it feels like they're trying to they just they, they I don't think they stick the landing on this one and, and like the way that his psychopathy would work for for the type of abuse that he endured. I just, I don't know. I don't think it just quite writes. It it doesn't quite work for me, you know? Well, it's not for, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) They were thinking about you, court. Yeah, and it's, again, it's not a shock that his dad was an actual fucking cop because, I mean, yeah. well, I mean, we already saw him being an abusive piece of shit, so it attracts that he's also a cop, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all just, yeah, of course. Of course he's a cop. Not Duh. just any cop. He was an old-fashioned style head-splitting pig. Like that fascist, everyone loved, apparently. Yeah, fascist cop. And yeah. I want to point out here that I was thinking, okay, so he was looking in the phone book to look up an address, right? Because of yeah. something that somebody said in the paper. And the older cop that Robert Loggia is playing did say some mean things and nasty things in the paper about the killer, for sure. Yeah. Like, and he was quoted on that. And he was actually bragging about it, how they quoted him, and he thought it was great. And then they meet him while we're there in the clip, right? Mm-hmm. And then he's talking to Robert Loja's character and Robert Loja actually idolized his father or looked up to him or thought that yeah. he was like a man's man and was like the kind of man that a cop should be. And having that admiration for his father, I think shifts Judd Nelson's character's focus completely from there. I think so. Like maybe he wasn't going to go for the family. I just feel like that would be the logical conclusion for the movie to go to. But it's yeah. here that I realized, no, he was looking up Robert Loja's number for sure. You get that feeling because he's fixed yeah. on him. He's going after Robert Loja. Right. If he's trying to shame daddy with his kills while also killing himself at the same time over and over again, um, yeah. he's shifting his focus. And again, we see he's learning to be a better serial killer. He's learning to be a better killer or predator in general. And it's mm-hmm. kind of scary. Yeah. And even though it seems like he wants to get caught, he may also be going after him because if they found him now, he could be like, shit, they're close. 
Also, we hear during the clip Judd Nelson is ready to shoot himself, but then yeah. he decides it's time it's it, it's it's time to basically go suicide by cop. And at the very end, we see Judd Nelson sharpening his razor and shaving with it. And while he's shaving, he has like a mini meltdown uh, that it starts smashing his stuff and all of that kind of stuff. And that actually leads to the end of the very first hour of the film. We only have 30 minutes left, and then it's going to be a last 30 minutes extravaganza, just wall of notes yeah, that I got to read. It's going for, a, we're in for a run here. <laughs> right. It's the run up to the end. A lot of stuff is going to happen really fast. It's still going to include clips, but we're going to stop here at the hour mark. And got anything to say? No, uh, no. Uh, it's, uh, we're getting to the point now, uh, you know, Loja's character's getting on board with wanting to try to be a good cop, all this kind of stuff. So Robert Loja nice. has finally actually entered the movie. Uh, he's acting like the Robert Loja we are used to seeing. This vivacious, living free spirit that is also a fucking badass monster. Yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> He's being the Robert Loja we like. Robert fucking Loja. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's move on to the final 30 then. Alright. The partners actually start bonding over beers and baseball talk which kind of makes my eyes glaze over whenever it has nothing to do with Major League. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Malloy goes back into his apartment and hangs up his Tommy Lasorda pick. Oh, yeah, that's who he was, actually. They heard the name again, so I wrote it down. They bond over the fact that uh, Malloy had met Tommy Lasorda and that they were baseball fans. And uh, the reason that our main character hates L.A. so much is because of the Dodgers, right? Because they moved from Brooklyn when he was yeah. a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, that's why you gotta I mean that's hate in a town that I understand that hate though that's that's some good hate <laughs> so anyway Malloy goes back into his uh, apartment after uh, Theo Rossi's character takes off and he puts his Tommy Lasorda pick back drops his gun onto this kitchen table and immediately there's a knock on the door and we know who it's going to be before the serial killer even walks into the room yeah Nelson unloads a pistol into Loja after saying a Ugh. few things and then saying his father his father also said he was sick once or something along those lines or a maniac. And then right after he unloads the, the fucking whole fucking gun into Robert Loja, he just walks out. They cut from this to Theo Rossi hates when his kid practices his saxophone because he's always telling him to go do something else. And then he talks his kid into helping with dinner. He actually uses the techniques that his wife tried to teach him and finds yeah. them actually pretty effective. Yeah, but holy shit. That kid's really bad at saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, he must have just got it, right? And they just won't let him practice because he sounds awful. I hope that's what yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, he talks his kid into helping with dinner. He gets the call that his partner is now dead, and he immediately takes off to go investigate. No food for Theo Rossi. <sighs> Uh, yeah, yeah, no food for you, man. It's time to go. Rossi states... <laughs> Get your ass to move. Your partner's dead. Rossi states to his wife as he is leaving, she should go stay with a family member to be safe. She refuses to do so, setting up the ending plot, I would guess, and he advises her to stay inside, keep everything locked up, and that she knows where the gun is. This feels yeah. like obvious foreshadowing for my taste, like just a little too obvious of foreshadowing for me. Wait, yeah, way too... Way too in your face foreshadowing. Also, listen, when he tells, like, like, like hey, listen, targeting cops now, you might want to go to your mom's. No, I'm staying here just because the criminal's out and you're investigating. It's like, okay, I guess. It's, it's a weird hill to die on on this one. I'm just saying. And it could almost be quite literally the hill that she dies on. Yeah, right? It's just like, I don't know, man. That seems, uh, 
that's I don't know if I die on that hill. I probably maybe I'd leave. <laughs> and just like that, right after she says that to him, there is a phone book page with a note written on it, which means the killer was already there. It was stabbed into their fucking wall too. Like the killer was already there. Yeah. Then she decides to go. Yeah. No, he grabs it and pulls the knife out. She they didn't see it until after he walks away. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a hell of a fucking reveal, though, right? Yeah. Rossi demands that Carol go to her mother's house. Yeah, you think so. With the kid now. And that was fast that they did that quick turnaround. (laughs) Yeah, right. They cut from this to Rossi is investigating Loja's death as really sad music plays in the background. And Rossi is hell bent on revenge. He enlists the help of the press to print a story for him. And that is our final clip. Corey. Honey, go get your school books. Good morning. You got the paper? Yeah. If it's safe now, why wasn't it safe last night? It doesn't work days. Oh. She did it. What? Listen to this. In the wake of last night's murder of LAPD Detective Sergeant Bill Malloy, police psychologist Dr. Lendon Park has provided a profile of the killer. He is an anally fixated, sexually impotent, socially inept individual who's probably using homicide as a means of hiding his own feelings of inadequacy and worthlessness. I can't believe that a psychologist would say that. I just hope he believes it. And you'll probably be there waiting for him. Praying for him. Keep your eyes open. Let's catch this psycho. Can I talk to you? Leeds, I was just going to call you. Your new partner is Wicker. He's got something on Fairfax. Go with him. What about the Sunset Murders? You're not working there anymore. See, Wicker. What do you mean? Uh, I'm not working there anymore. I mean the shit hit the fan. I'm turning it over to some guys who have more than three days' experience. Would you listen to me for a second? Look, Deets, I have to put together a task force this morning for a goddamn news conference this afternoon. I don't care about news conferences because I need men for a stakeout. You don't need men. I need men. You need ears. Now, for the last time, get the hell out of my office. Sam Deets? Art Wicker. Back to Park. This is Deets. I'm leaving for your house right now. Deets? I'm really looking forward to working with you. I'll see you tomorrow. What's going on? Before we move on and start talking about the rest of the story, I need to comment on something about the captain who's always chewing out everyone's ass in this film, right? Yeah. The cliche and, of and the captain. really shitty, too. Yeah. The, the captain who is chewing out the cop's ass in this, the cliche of that, this represents it so perfectly that the parody of that in Last Action Hero is almost the exact same performance that this guy gets. Like yeah, the way right. that he's like just fucking yelling and angry and spits flying out of his mouth and, <laughs> and all that shit. It's like almost the same fucking performance, you know? Yeah. There's yeah, like pretty much it's it's every police chief and except uh, for the guy that worked with Riggs and Murtaugh in the original fucking yeah. Lethal Weapon series. He always gave them shit, but like he never really fucking screamed. He's like, come on, guys. Yeah, what are you guys doing? <laughs> he just gave them the disappointed dad thing, which is so much fucking worse. I know, right? It's like, come on. <laughs> we need to move on. <laughs> yeah. After this, we see Nelson's character pacing and pissed about the newspaper article. And we cut from that to Rossi manipulating his old sergeant into staking out the psychiatrist's house with four men. The manipulation works and Rossi takes off. They cut from that to Nelson grabbing a teddy bear in his Rambo closet and they cut from that to rossi debriefing the pigs on what is about to happen and how to stake out for this killer the doctor is cleaning and loading a weapon as well while rossi talks it all over with him deets gets a call from a detective that may be a break in the case
case. Oh, look, Rossi's character's name is finally in my notes. Thank you, Court. Yeah, hey, good job. <laughs> Dietz gets a call from a detective that may be a break in the case, but he is hellbent on this revenge plot is what it feels like to me at this point and will yeah. not get the message, but he, because he is out and didn't tell everybody where he was supposed to be. No, of course not. Well, because that would be playing by the rules, and I think we all very well know this guy doesn't play by the rules. Well, he plays by his own rules. Yeah, the the, the rules of hard knocks. <laughs> Rossi cops to how much of a scam this is to entrap the killer and how much he is risking to do this. The guy next to him even uses that cliche line about his ass being in a sling. You remember that? Yes, yes. <laughs> wonder Jesus. how fresh that would have been back in the 80s, though. You know what I mean? They cut from this to the sergeant is close to finding out that Rossi duped him. There is much more info that the other police have dug up or that is important, but Dietz is out and they need to find him. They cut from this to Dietz staking out. Cardoza, the lieutenant, rats out Dietz to the chief of the police. The killer makes the call to the psychiatrist while Dietz is there and is about to make his way to do some killings. Dietz gets another call, and it's the lady who has been helping him, and shit is getting real in the background. The lady that is helping him is the secretary. Basically, yeah. the chief doesn't ever want to have to do anything, so the chief's job is actually done by his secretary mm, or assistant. Because the chief's a piece of shit. Right. Well, pretty much all these fucking cops are. like She's the one that actually makes the city run, is what I'm yeah. getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Judd Nelson. Even even Robert Loesch said at the beginning of the movie, you always want to go to her and never to the chief. <laughs> Judd Nelson shows up. One of the pigs offers commentary that is homophobic about him. And he recognizes Rossi's vehicle with that New York thing because of the accent. And he knows that it's a setup. And he abandons the thought of attacking after saying, nice try. Yeah. We then see that Nelson made it back to his junk apartment, or Arthur, or whatever you want to fucking call him. Rossi answers yet another call, and Tur Terrell finally gets a hold of him. He's the one that got that information that he's been looking for Rossi's character forever, Dietz. They, yeah, right. They finally process the death threat report. The Finally, the guy that's already been dead, that they found dead, they finally found the matching thing where if this guy called it in, they know that that's working. And this is actually pretty realistic on how serial killers may finally get caught is this yes, kind right? of shit. Yes. Yeah. So Rossi recognizes the sound because he plays it over the phone. He actually recognizes the sound of the killer's voice when it is played and he immediately goes on the hunt. Rossi took the wrong cop with him, it turns out, when they go to his apartment building and they head up the staircases individually. One goes up the back staircase. The other one goes up the front staircase and they're going to meet in the middle on Nelson's floor to try and make sure that he can't leave. That's the best they can do as two police officers yeah. i'm guessing yes they storm in so. it's empty except ra the rambo closet and we see his father's motorcycle jacket which is his police issue jacket badge and everything is bloody with shots in it in the rambo closet as well which i think they're implying he actually murdered his father first I think so. I bet his dad was the first one to die. After much delay, the threat to Ross Dietz's family is realized as the call to warn the family is answered by Judd Nelson. And Well, that's not good. There's a whole bunch of sequences where they keep cutting back and forth to Dietz speeding home to his family. I mention it, and then after a while, I just abandon it because like, it just kind of becomes padding to add just yeah, a couple right? more seconds because like, we get it. He's speeding home. We don't need to keep seeing it. And the stunts that they did in that weren't as great as what we've seen from William Lustig before where he had a cop driving a car that was cut in half on fire. I mean, that was awesome. <laughs> I'm just saying, I expect a little more from Mr. Lustig sometimes. <laughs> well, you know, give him a break. Maybe 
Maybe he didn't have the budget. He's never topped that for me ever again. That's the most amazing thing I've ever seen him put on film. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry, side review for Maniac Cop 2, everyone. <laughs> So Dietz is speeding off to save his family from this very obvious maniac bent out in revenge. Mom and son arrive home while Rossi drives like a maniac to get them. See, cutting back and forth. The wife notices the broken window and the phone off the hook while taking out the garbage, which is a really nice way to build the tension. Yeah. And she had really starting to feel it here. Like when's the attack coming? And she heads back inside to find out Nelson is just sitting there with her son. And I'm sure Matt's heart sunk seeing that. Yes. Yeah, that was that was always like uh sad. This is the one thing that Meg Foster really, really does well. The way that she portrays terror is just mind bending. It fucking gets right into your heart. Like it just reaches right into your chest and grabs your heart when she starts yes. acting terrified. I think it's because she has those really pronounced eyes. And then when they start tearing up and she puts emotion to her face, like it just it instantly hits your empathy like perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're just like, oh, fuck. That actress's eyes are always something that get me every time. Yeah, they're just so blue. It's like uh, yeah. it's it's like this really captivating thing, and I'm, I'm obviously, but um, she also is using those features of her face and acts so well. I'm, I'm like, just she doesn't overdo it. She doesn't she just, it's just enough. And I think especially in this scene where she asks her son if he is okay, and like the, the way that her face whimpers and everything like that, like just the portrayal is just horrible. And I think because her eyes are so unique, it is more effective and it, it kind of amplifies her acting a little bit whenever she acts scared. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. I know we're being obsessive about her eyes. We'll stop. But who we really are? Who fucking it's is kind of creepy? Who, but who, I mean, who doesn't talk about Meg Foster's eyes like that, though? I mean, everybody yeah, talks. Everyone about has her. to. Yeah. I mean, if you don't, I don't get it. <laughs> she asks her son if he is okay, and then asks Nelson not to hurt her son. And my fucking heart starts wrenching. Nelson tells her to sit down with him, and she immediately tries to humanize herself with him by giving yeah. her his name and then asking him politely for his, as if he is actually a guest. She does a really good job of communicating with him on that level. Yes, she does. The kid struggles to get up and Nelson pulls him back down. He then says he was just trying to get juice, which I think the kid is lying. I think he's just trying to uh, not get in trouble, but Meg Foster's character actually tries to use this to go get juice for her son, like to get up, Mm -hmm. but Judd Nelson doesn't want to let her do this, so he basically says he's going to take the kid to the kitchen um, while handling the gun. Yeah, And so all of a sudden we see Judd Nelson having the kid handle the gun and there's just juice sitting there. And so he's like showing him how to handle the gun. When you're a kid, of course, you're going to like if an adult hands you a gun to, to try out. They're going to you're going to do it. You're a kid. Yeah, right. Of course. <laughs> he then starts trying to show him actually how to use it while it's actually pointing at his mom. And he keeps saying the safety's on, but we know what he's trying to do here, right? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That's what I'm thinking. While this is happening, the mom offers to do anything to protect her kid. And like the way that she does that is also heart fucking wrenching. Just the way that she delivers the dialogue. Nelson is going to make the kid shoot the mom. We're positive about this, but then points the gun at his own head. And to her credit, she doesn't try to convince him to shoot himself. Basically because her kid is there. And then also her kid's hand is still holding the gun. So she doesn't want to see her kid holding a gun, shooting anything. Yeah, right. But to her credit, that does happen. Then he points the gun at the kid's head. He hears his name shouted and then immediately sees his father through the window. It's clearly Rossi's voice that did the shouting, but we then see the dead father standing there in his jacket, right? And then Nelson... (laughs) Then he shoots Nelson down. His own father is who shoots him, and then we see that it is actually Rossi in the dead father's 
jacket. So he had to steal that from the crime scene. Yes, right? <laughs> it's kind of a little bit of a Jason Voorhees moment here where he's trying to use the psychology of how much he hates his dad against him, right? Yeah, it really does. Yeah, he uses the psychology. Uh, you know, he's wearing his dad's jacket and he sees that and it makes him freeze up enough so that he can use it. God, I am tired too. I can't fucking think of anything. <laughs> he Okay, He anyway, he shoots Nelson down, but as Nelson's character is bleeding out, he actually reaches into his back pocket and then obviously the cop comes up holding the gun on him and then takes the thing out of his back pocket pocket and it turns out it's a phone book page that was in his back pocket and it says thank you this time is the message that he gives oh yes. sweet irony yeah <laughs> they Jesus. cut they cut from this to mom son and husband pack up the car rossi says it was her idea to move to la she asks if he wants to give new york another chance and then we see the pigs going through his apartment the camera rests on a norman rockwell image of a kid at a diner with a fucking cop next to him to drive the irony the fuck down our fucking throats roll credits Jesus, man. Okay, it ends definitely very strong. Um, I actually thought that he was going to be there to hurt the family. I like that twist where, no, he came there to suicide by this cop specifically. Yeah. You know, because like he was the opposite of his father and his work is complete that way. Kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. That's kind of how I saw it. If that's if that's what they were going for or whatever. So there's some things that they try to do with like the psychology of how the characters that we behave that I feel like it for me, it just misses the mark. It doesn't quite make the landing. It doesn't stick it. But some of the other points, like how he's going to have Rossi's character kill him, because as far as they could tell, he's the exact opposite of his father. You know, that kind of makes sense. I kind of like that. But also he killed his partner and probably this was his plan all along, like how to complete his work. I feel like he actually wins. This is what he wanted the entire time, which is why he said thank you. You know, Yeah, he wanted to die. He he tried to kill himself, but he couldn't. You know, he always had the gun. He was having fake conversations with his father's picture, who he also probably killed. So it's kind of weird. <laughs> I don't know if they were fake conversations or if it was supposed to be part of his psychology that he was so damaged by his father. Well, not fake. I meant like having conversations and you're like, Jesus, you know. Imaginary. You, yeah, you are. Yeah, tired. imaginary conversations yeah. that with his father's picture, probably huge guilt for killing his father. So yeah, it, kind of like a little Norman Bates. Like there's a mix mash of a bunch of different like psychopathy things that they're trying to do in the film. And, yeah. And like I said, not all of it really sticks the landing, but the murders are fucking brutal. It doesn't really matter what his motivations are. They could have just played it straight with him doing what he's doing and then like shown the child abuse stuff and we would get it. We don't, we don't need to, you know, have a whole lot else to really grasp why it is he's doing what he's doing, I think. Um, yeah. And the things that they try to do to explain that a little bit just don't quite work when they could have just shown it. Um, exactly. It's 90 minutes, and that's why I had almost nine clips that were about 10 minutes apiece. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> no, it actually is a pretty well-made film. Uh, it's perfect to actually watch in a bleary-eyed uh, morning after a party when you know you got up and you can't quite sleep. It's okay to do it. You know, yeah. I think it's that kind of watch. And I think that's how I saw it even as a kid. Not necessarily blurry-eyed after a party, but, you know, I, I had insomnia issues. So maybe if I got a little bit of sleep, uh, this would have been like how I watched the film even at that age, I think. And it works kind of that that way, you know? Yeah, right. Lazy, yeah. lazy Sunday morning or Saturday afternoon kind of watch. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's kind of what you're looking for here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it has that kind of feel, and I, I think that makes sense as to why it was on like a broadcast TV on afternoon. You know what I mean? Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's a nice little movie just to lay about and watch. Yeah, it was uh, a good watch, and you know, it definitely beats the Castle of Creeping Flesh, which wasn't necessarily bad. It just kept being a bit redundant. <laughs> so it's a nice, yeah, yeah, nice right? step up from last week at least. So that's good. Yeah, yeah, it's better than last week. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm looking more forward to next week where uh it's the final week where i'm doing all of these in a row and we start switch hitting again yeah right yeah so next week you're last week doing notes and then i'll do next week i think that's how it works we're gonna have to double check the schedule on both the movie that we are covering and which one of us assholes is actually doing it because it definitely starts after next week yeah (laughs) i don't think i'm doing four in a row i think i'm only doing three so after next week i think it is your next one yeah 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 (laughs) bats notes are back everybody cork gets to enjoy himself and relax a little bit more no, oh, I hate that for you. <laughs> I think we've gone long enough. I don't think we need to do some sob news. I think it's more. No, than long I don't enough. think so. We, we we had more to talk about in this movie. Yeah, we're both fucking tired anyway. Let's just fucking end it yeah, where we were planning let's, on let's ending. Let's end it. this one. Let's, All right. uh, let's <laughs> give ourselves a break. I'm gonna play the, time. I'm gonna play the ending Legion promo when we come back on the Pirate Radio edit. We're going to have Iron Maiden's first lineup, including its first singer, Ah, and the song Killers. Right after this, uh-huh. if you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network. Like Cinema Psyops, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.
fucking song rips. <laughs> yeah, that, Jesus Christ, that, that was good shit. That is some of the earliest fucking Iron Maiden you can get, my friend. Nice. <laughs> I forgot to bring up the show housekeeping because I'm that fucking tired, even though it's like 3 o'clock in the goddamn afternoon and I need a fucking nap. I know, right? Holy shit. <laughs> Still bringing up the show housekeeping. Okay, so other times where I forgot to bring up the show housekeeping and then did some kind of deadpan stupid fucking joke to cover the time until I brought it up can be reached at legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops dash podcast. Yeah, psyop dash dash hashtag uh, <laughs> fucking pound sign. I don't know. <laughs> Another place to reach us directly is the Legion Discord chat where I just had a lovely message that I showed to Matt at the Halloween party last Last night that both had us saying no we can't stop we got to keep doing this show because it was we gotta so keep going. yeah anytime that anyone shares that we have helped them get through a rough patch or something along those lines that is the highest fucking honor you can do for someone that is just trying to do something for your entertainment right is to tell them that you have actually helped alleviate some suffering that's what more could you ask right can't, can't ask for anything more than that. Yeah, so we can't stop now. We got to keep going. And one of the things that I got to keep doing, apparently, is the cinema underscore psyops Instagram feed of memes for the yeah, working well, yeah, stuff. Yeah, the memes are part of it. <laughs> I would hope so. Like, I hope people are still enjoying them or at least tolerating them. Of course the memes are part of it. Eventually, I'm going to run out of them. meme culture now. Right? What, do you, what's, what are you thinking? I, I'm going to run out of them eventually, right? Like, there can't be that many memes for me to keep finding new ones. I know I'm repeating myself. I have to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, fuck it, though. I mean, well, speaking the about memes. The memes are the whole thing. Speaking about where the memes get repeated, you can also see them on our Cinema PsyOps Facebook group. I also share them to my Court PsyOps page and then a select group of other folks that totals a number of 13 after all of the posts that I share because I am that fucking dorky. <laughs> wow. I mean, we're all dorky. If you'd like to email feedback to Court and tell him that you are, in fact, all dorky. We all we are. We are all dorky, you, you can, fucking nerd. You can reach me at cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. Why are you stabbing yourself, nerd? <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, while you're out there flashing back of that game of why are you hitting yourself and trying to deal with previous traumas, make sure you still kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. start rolling all right i am recording everything's coming through correctly one two three all right uh, let's rock and roll with uh relentless this week robert loja <laughs> i like barely even acknowledge that it's robert loja in my notes because i know we're already going to talk about it robert loja robert loja You've reached the voicemail, Robert Lucia. <laughs> I've been smoking enough already, so let's get rolling. Here we go. <coughs> <coughs> 
You're right over there? Yeah, hang on. Right. I've had nothing to eat but candy and chips all day, and my stomach's starting to hurt, and I wonder why. Oh, yeah. That's a great diet, you know? Yeah, I need to get back on an actual fucking diet before I kill myself. Yeah, right. All right. What happened to my notes here? Hang on. All right. Oh, no. We're good. We're good. I just forgot where we were at the end of the first 20 minutes there. All right. All right. So, clip five. Holy shit. That kid's really bad at saxophone. <laughs> Literally, he must have just got it, right? And they just won't let him practice because he sounds awful. I hope that's what yeah. it is. Like, if he's been trying for an extremely long time, it might be time to tell the kid to give up. Yeah, yeah. Listen, maybe maybe we find him some different after-school thing to do. Right. Like, listen, kids, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but, like, sometimes your dreams are stupid. <laughs> sometimes dreams were never meant to be followed. So just, yo, know, get it the fuck out of here, will you? There's a point where you can practice all you want. You're clearly not going to get that instrument, and I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Character packing and pissed about the news. Ah. After that, we see Nelson's character fucking autocorrect. Ike Turner, his father's, or Taylor, Ike Taylor, not Ike Turner. Jesus Christ, Ike what's Turner, wrong with me? Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> well, he's an abusive asshole named Ike. I can see where I confuse the two of them. Right, yeah, that's true. previous traumas make sure you still kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch i was getting out of that before you started worse on it (laughs) all right and i've stopped recording